finish up 1 Peter today. I'm going to deal off with the whole chapter 5, the whole of chapter 5. I'm going to do it this morning. So it's a big feat, but I'm going to take care of it. And you're going to, how many enjoyed 1 Peter? Summer 1 Peter. Well, thank you, all three of you. We did it for you. So, but I've, I've really loved it. I've enjoyed it. If you weren't here last week, you need to listen to that over and over again. If anybody ever calls me, please explain suffering to me. I'm just going to say, I'm sending an email right now. I'm going to send them that sermon because that was probably the best sermon on suffering I've ever heard. And it was laid out so good and so clear. So you got to say, thank God that we got a guy named Pastor Zach on our staff and on our team because that's good stuff right there. So... And I'm not even going to do a recap on that because that was just some plain too good, too good, right? So we're going to finish up today. What we're going to do today is finish up, and this is uh, lessons from my own experience. Lessons from my own experience. And this is the Apostle Peter. And in chapter 5, he kind of leans on his own experience. I mean, he'd been serving the Lord for years. He was a young man, maybe even a, a late teenager when he was called by Jesus there at the boat. He had that miraculous catch. I mean, first time he meets Jesus, it's like this miraculous catch. He said, well, depart from me, I'm a wicked man. But he has this long relationship with Jesus, so many experiences. And he's pastored now for a long time. I mean, his first sermon, 3,000 people joined the church. His first sermon, he was immediately the pastor of a mega church. And then literally thousands and thousands, I mean, new problems, new situations. He was a pioneer of the whole move of God, a pioneer of operating in the Spirit. Literally, he'd walk down the street, his shadow was healing people. I mean, he had some wild experiences, traveled all over, beginning churches, discipling people, raising up churches. He's the guy who walked on water. He's the guy who went up in the Mount of Transfiguration. He's the guy who denied Jesus. He's the guy who pulled out his sword, chopped off an ear. He's the guy who... Jesus had to restore, cooked them breakfast and said, Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. I mean, this is the guy who's writing this book, and this is the guy who draws from all of his life experiences. When he heard Jesus preach on, I am the good shepherd, Jesus was teaching him the living word, the creative word, the embodiment of the word was teaching Peter what it means to be the great shepherd. I mean, he learned from the greatest order that ever existed. He sat and he bathed himself in the living word of God. This is the guy, Peter, who wrote this book. And he says, I want to share some things with you out of my own experience. So you want to pay attention to people like that. Can I get an amen? I was working really hard there. Well, I hope, hope you appreciated it. You know, when, when people have an important position, you pay attention, don't you? You're on an airplane and the pilot says, this is the captain speaking. You pay attention, right? I mean, you, you turn off the thing, you pull off your headset, whatever. You want to hear what the captain has to say, right? So the captain's speaking. So I got... You can go to these websites, really interesting what you search, but I found 75 interesting things have been said on an airplane, and I thought a few of them were good. So this was, hi, I'm Captain Amanda Smith. Yes, I'm a female pilot, and as a benefit, if I get lost, I won't be afraid to ask for directions. <laughs> this is your captain. I think you're going to pay attention to that stuff, right? That's important stuff. Here's uh, the, ca the captain comes on. It's your captain speaking. There may be 50 ways to leave your lover, but there are only four ways to leave this airplane. The closest exit may be behind you. If it is, slip out the back, Jack. <laughs> slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, Stan. Don't need to be coy, Roy. How many are old enough to remember that song? Three people again. My God. All right. 
All right. Here's another one. It's, and I always, this amazed me one time when I'm on the plane, a long time ago, but they were saying, you know, if the cabin pressure happens to go, scream, right? Because the cabin pressure is gone. I mean, what stuff is sucking out of the plane? I don't know. I'd be screaming for my life. But it says, if the cabin pressure happens to go, you know, oxygen masks will fall from the ceiling. And I mean, listening to this was always like, you know, please make sure you put your mask on first. So this is what the lady said. She said, stop screaming, grab the mask, pull it over your face. If you have a small child traveling with you, secure the mask before assisting, secure your mask before assisting theirs. If you're traveling with more than one child, pick your favorite. <laughs> I thought that was good, you know. I always thought, you know, you want to you get your kid breathing first, but they say it can happen so fast, you need to make sure you're breathing first so you can help somebody with you. And I thought, you know what, that's a good life lesson. There's a lot of people trying to help everybody else. You're not even breathing yourself, for goodness sake. You ain't got your own stuff together, and you're trying to shove a mask on somebody else. You know what, if you want to help somebody else, make sure you're breathing first and then help the person next to you. I thought that was a good lesson right there. But you know what, if you got two kids with you, pick your favorite. Like, that's rough, isn't it? You know. Anyways, uh, all right, so after a bumpy landing, the pilot comes on. He says, that was a rough one. Since you all survived, we expect you to keep all those promises you just made. <laughs> Jim thought that was funny. I thought so, too. How many of you been on a plane? Boom, boom, boom. Oh, God, I'll serve you forever. Just get me out of here, you know. <clears throat> now, this was a passenger. This was a, you ever been on a plane and you had a rough landing? Everybody, boom, boom, boom. This, I thought this was funny. It says, uh, there was a bunch of noises, a bunch of shuddering, and a bunch of bumps on arrival. And the one passenger called out. He said, did we land or were we shot down? I almost fell off my chair belly laughing at that one. Come on, maybe I missed the delivery. He said, did we land or were we shot down? Oh, I only got, I only got one more, okay? I know there was 75, but I just took a few, all right? I like this one. He says, this is the captain speaking. He says, we'd like to thank you folks for flying with us today. And next time you get the insane urge to go blasting through the skies in a pressurized metal tube, we hope you think of U.S. Airways. It really is kind of crazy. I mean, there's been times I've been up there on the plane and I'm looking out the window and I'm somewhere over the Alps flying over Italy, you know, 35,000 square feet. And I'm going, I'm in a metal tube going 600 miles an hour. This is nuts. This is nuts, but it's so amazing, isn't it? Praise Jesus, praise. Well, there you go. You know what? This is your captain speaking. This is Peter, and he's speaking out of some incredible life experiences. And so we're going to pay attention because he's going to give us some advice today. Remember what I said? When you read the Bible, there's good news, and then there's good advice. You know, the good news you really need to pay attention to, the good advice, sometimes the context of it, it's really not even useful for you today. But it was written in a time when it did make sense to them. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. What's really sad is sometimes we take advice that was written for people who lived 2,000 years ago and we try to apply it today. And that's really weird. It's really weird. I was talking to the Lord about this this week. And I said, why do people do that? And he said, I know. He said, I thought they were smarter than that. That's really what he said to me. He straight up said, I thought people were smarter than to do that. But, but it's crazy how today, 2,000 years later, we take things that are not at all relevant to us today, and we try to make them make sense in our day, and we put yokes and bondage on people that was never, ever intended by God. 
because we don't know the difference. I'm very serious about this. We don't know the difference between the good news and the good. We don't know the difference between the good news and the good advice, sadly. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. And there's two covenants. There's an old one. There's a new one. You live in the new one. And they're very, very different, and you should have an absolute clear understanding of that. Because I've seen too many people try to apply old covenant principles in a new covenant reality, and it doesn't work. In fact, it just causes grief for people. So we got to know that. So this is a book that we read, and the book itself describes what it was about. Peter himself says, this is why I wrote it. And Peter said that this was something he wanted to use to introduce grace to suffering so it result in glory. He said, I want to introduce grace to suffering so it will result in glory. And I believe our testimony of the gospel of grace is what is going to cause this broken world to experience transformation. So First Peter 5, right at the end, he said, I've written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying to you of the true grace of God in which you stand. So he says, this is what the whole book's about. The whole book is about to testify to you of the true grace of God in which you stand. And so it was a big, massive revelation of the true grace of God. First Peter 2 verse 9 said, you are God's treasure. You are priests. You are kings. You're a spiritual nation. And through you, I want to broadcast the glorious wonders of God throughout the world. So God has brought us to himself. We are now aliens in this world. We are, we are different. We got a new city. Citizenship. We are citizens of heaven, but we still live here. And living here, we got to understand some of the boundaries and some of the parameters, how to operate in this world as wise, wise people. But we live out of freedom. You know, true freedom is where you don't have to demand your rights because you know you're free. Like when you're not really free, you go run around trying to, I what's my right for this? It's my right for that. You're not really free when you got to do that. When you're really free, you know nobody can touch your freedom. Because it's not a constitutional freedom. It's a freedom from above. It's God's freedom. And nobody can take the freedom you're walking in today. It is for freedom that I set you free. Stand firm in your freedom. And it's not a freedom you're trying to achieve. It's a freedom that he has won for you at the cross. And it's yours forever. Who the Son set free is free indeed. Free, 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 free. I'm free to give up my rights. I'm free to submit. I'm free to honor others better than myself. I'm free to esteem people better than me. Even if I believe I'm right, I'm willing to walk in the realm of honor so that I can win and I can show that they are indeed are a little bit wacky. Have you ever thought that the way of service might be the way of victory? You ever thought the way of yielding and submitting and coming along and aligning yourself with something might be the way to break a yoke of slavery? The kingdom, the way the kingdom operates is totally upside down from the world. And yet we as believers are trying to fight a spiritual, we spiritual war with carnal weapons. And it just cannot be done. It's a sad, sad thing. So here we are in 1 Peter verse 1. It says, the elders who are among you, I exhort you. So he's talking to the elders, the elders, the presbyteros, the presbyteros. We get the whole denomination called Presbyterian comes from that word, the presbyteros, the elders. They, they lead through an eldership. He said to those elders, I exhort you. And he says, I am a fellow elder. So I align myself with you as an elder. I also am a fellow elder and I'm coming alongside you and coming together with you and I'm exhorting you. He said, I want you to be good elders. I want you to be elders and I am, I am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ and a partaker of the glory that is to be revealed. So here he is, me as an elder, me as somebody, I've got experience. I draw from a massive amount of experience. 
And I can share with you, as an elder among you, I want to share with you some wisdom. So he says, look, let me give you some life experiences. Let me share some life lessons out of my own personal experience. Amen. So here's some things. We're going to do three things. You ready? Three things. Every one of these is a sermon in itself, but I'm going to miraculously share each one of them with you today in one sermon. So I'm going to do three sermons in one, and the food trucks are outside. They're not leaving till two o'clock, so hang tight. I'm going to do it quickly. You ready? We're going to talk about how to lead. We're going to talk about how to secure your future. We're going to talk about how to overcome your adversary. We're going to do all three of those things today. (laughs) Hurry up, pastor. All right. How to lead. 1 Peter 5, 2 to 4. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Shepherd the flock. See, when shepherd the flock, doesn't make a lot of sense to us, but you see, we, we read about the shepherd. We read Psalm 23. We read about Jesus, the good shepherd. Maybe we should study what a shepherd is because it says shepherd the flock. It's the word poimen, which is where we get the word pastor. Pastor the flock, which is among you, serving them as overseers. Overseers is where we get the word episkopos, where they get episcopalian, an overseer. It's an episkopos. It's a, a hierarchy of leadership. But here he says there's shepherds, there's poimen, there's presbyters. He uses several different words for leadership in this passage. He said, I want you to oversee them. I want you to give them oversight and direction, but not by compulsion. Don't do it because, oh, do I have to? Don't do it by compulsion. Do it because you're willing. Do it, oh, yeah, I want to serve. It says he who desires the office of an elder desires a good thing. The office is a good thing, but you know what? We need people to lead, and don't lead out of compulsion. Oh, you need two more people? Okay. No, it should be something that you're doing willingly and you willingly want to lead. And don't do it for dishonest gain. Trust me, there's not a lot of dishonest gain in it. But anyways, do it eagerly. Be eager, be willing, be eager to shepherd and care for the flock. Don't be lords over them. Don't, don't rule over them, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. There's a crown of glory when you, when you serve well, when you lead well. And you know what leadership is? And around here, we train that leadership around here is serving. Leadership is serving. That's, that's what we have. We, we believe in a servant leader model around here. So we serve and we, we manifest our example. So you got to be willing to serve. So how to lead well. You ready? going to give you... Four things really quick. Number one, if you want to lead well, number one, you got to be willing to sacrificially serve. Sacrificially serve. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. So if you want to serve, you want to be an elder, you want to, you want to lead and play a governmental role, then you got to be somebody who says, you know what? I want to lay down my life for others. I want to, I'll take a bullet for that person. I mean, I want to make their lives and their future and their destiny. I want to be sure they secure everything that God has for them. And I'll lay down my life. I'll set aside my purpose. I'll set aside my happiness and my destiny. I will make my happiness. I will make my destiny. I will make my joy to see that others realize all that God has for them. Number one, I tell you, you want to be a good, good Cub Scout leader. You want to be a good baseball leader. You want, to, you want to be a good anything, leading anybody. These are really good lessons for you. 
So these don't just matter for people leading them to church. You want to lead anything. I tell you, the way that you'll gain scope in people's lives is make them important. Make them know that you value them above yourself. You'll be a good leader when they know that I am here for you. I, you're not here for me. I am here for you. You are way more important. And we tell people that in our Next Steps class, that I exist for the people in these seats. I exist that your journey with God is excellent. I exist to serve the destiny in you. I exist to bless you. You're not here to go, pastor. You're awesome. We want to make your ministry great. No, I want to make your ministry great. I want to make your life great. I want your destiny to come forth. And that is what will give me joy. Amen. And that's just number one. That's just number one. Number two, listen, if you're going to lead well, number two, you, you know, listen, if you don't want to carry poop bags and scoop poop, don't get a dog. Was that a deep truth or what? When I see people walking with a dog and the dog drops when they kind of look around, they just keep walking. You know what? You are a bad dog owner. You know, and if you want to serve people, you want to lead people, you're going to have a poo-poo bag strapped to the side of you and you're going to scoop some stuff. And if you don't want to scoop poop, don't be a leader. If you don't want to carry doggy bags, don't have a doggy. Okay, I hope that was good. All right. Number two, be willing to be misunderstood. Be willing to be misunderstood. If you're going to lead people and serve people, you've got to be willing to be misunderstood. When you're leading, it means that you're the first one to see things. And sometimes you'll see things and say, we need to go over here and go, what are you talking about? Sometimes you're going to say things that nobody's ever seen before. God's going to drop dreams in your heart that nobody else has even thought of. There's times you're going to be so in front of things that you'll share things that nobody else understands. And you've got to be willing to be misunderstood. And sometimes because you know where we're going, you know what has to be done, you you know the preparation that has to take place. You see, I knew my kids didn't want to have root canals when they got older. I knew they didn't want to go to the dentist every second week. I knew that was a bad experience because my wife had it done several times. Genetically, I've got wonderful teeth. I don't want them to have that happen. So I took them and I said, you put this goop on a brush, you shove it in your mouth and you wipe it around for a while. Oh, daddy, I hate this. Get over it. You need to do it twice a day. Oh, daddy, I hate this. You see, I'm willing to be misunderstood, son. I'm willing to be misunderstood, daughter, because your teeth are important to you. You see, there's sometimes in life, there's sometimes in leadership, you're asking people to do things that they don't understand at the time. It's awkward and it's uncomfortable, but you're willing to make them do it anyway because you know that it's good for them. Don't be a leader if you're unwilling to be misunderstood. Let me, sheep dip, say sheep dip. Don't be afraid, sheep dip. I want to show you a picture right now. You ready? Here's a picture. Right there, boom, that is sheep getting dipped. True story. You can go Google it. You can Google it now. You can fact check me while I'm preaching. I don't care. Go ahead. Try me. They really do put sheep through sheep dip. And a sheep dip, they, they actually force them through these troughs, and they, they have to go through it. And it, it's a bunch of insecticides and, and chemicals and this nasty nonsense. But they make the sheep go through it every once in a while because they want to make sure that they don't get ticks and bugs and scabs and all kinds of stuff. So regularly, they're walking along, following the shepherd. Ooh, they're getting a narrow path here. What's this? You get out the other side, you go, what was that all about? 
But you know, you make them do it because it's good for them. Get in a small group. Get into the prayer meetings. Listen to the sermon after it was preached over and over again. Do what you're told. I ain't following you. I'm telling you, you're going to get ticks and scabies and all kinds of nasty things. Sometimes you need the sheep dip. And if you're in the sheep dip, just say, thank you, Jesus. I don't understand it. But pastor says, it's good for me. If you're unwilling to put people through the sheep dip, don't be a leader. Because sometimes we need the sheep dip. Can I get an amen? Wow, is there some time? All right, so that's uh, two points. This is actually a 20 point sermon, but I tucked it under three points. Each point has 40 sub points. So, anyways, so you got to be willing to be misunderstood. You got to be willing to identify shapes. You got to be willing to identify shapes. I don't mean tall ones, fat ones, skinny ones. I don't mean that. I mean shapes. Shape for me stands for spiritual gifts, your heart, your, your attitude, your personality, and your experience. You got to be willing that when you're working with people, it's not about them doing what they're told and what you tell them to do. Well, sometimes it is. But you got to understand that if you're leading, it's about them. You got to understand the people that God has graced you with and blessed you with. You got to understand the kids on the hockey team. You got to understand their talents, their abilities. You got to... You you got to understand who they are. You got to understand even their limitations. You got to understand their strengths. And you've got to be willing to adapt your leadership to the people that God has given you. And if you're going to lead well, you got to adapt to those kind of things. And that's the stuff Peter was talking about here. That's what he was talking about. Be a shepherd. Understand the people that God has given you. Lead them. Serve them willingly, eagerly. Be examples to them. All right? Those who've been entrusted to you. You got to understand their shape and their uniqueness. You got to be willing to eliminate problems. Number four of point number one, you got to be willing to eliminate problems. My daughter is a teacher and often she says, wow, if I could just kick that one kid out of the class, everything would be great. Because you know, sometimes it really is one bad apple can mess up the whole thing. And sometimes you want to just say, I'm just going to kick that person out. I'm just going to remove that person. And sometimes you have to. Sometimes you got to say, you, you need a time out. Because you literally are disrupting the whole thing. You are messing up everything. And there's times you got to be willing to grab somebody and say, you need a time out. You know, I started pastoring, and the first couple of years I was pastoring, the church grew pretty quickly. And we had one fellow, he came back. He'd been in the church years ago, but he came back. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. You know, and he was teaching a bit and doing things. I said, this guy's really helpful to me. And I called my dad. I said, dad, the church is growing. Even people who used to come, they're coming back. He said, who came back? I said, well, this guy came back. He said, oh, I'd be careful about that one. What? I don't actually watch out for that one. See, my dad had had past experiences. They'd been through things before with that one. And I said, you know what? All those people had a hard time with him. They weren't as awesome as I am. I'll work with this guy. These, those guys probably had pride and difficulties, and they didn't understand how to work with gifted people. Sure enough, oh my goodness, did this guy not become a real problem? I mean, it started to dismantle me, I mean, disrespected me right in front of people, did all manner of nonsense, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is really, really bad. And then he called a meeting with the elders, said I'd called it, and then told me to come to it. And I said, you know what? I can't make it, but I'll make another appointment, and you can come to that one. I was like, wow. So when he came to that one, I said, Lord, how am I going to deal with this one? And the Lord told me, you know what he told me? The Lord said, shut up. I said, shut up. He said, shut up. I said, wow. 
So I sat down. We sat down at the elders with me, and this guy just started to berate me, going at me. And I was just like, see, me. You might think I'm a, a little tough now, although I'm so gracious after these years of ministry. All of you just think I'm a soft puppy dog. But back then, I tell you, I would rip you a new one in 10 seconds. And I'm looking at this guy, and I'm going, oh, my God. And all I can hear is the Spirit saying, shut up. Shut up. And I'm like, shut up. And I was like, I want to kill this guy. My spiritual arms are around your neck right now. I may be smiling on the outside, but I'm like, shoot, da, 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 ba, ba, da, ba, da. And he's just going and going and going. And then he took a breath and he looked at me. And I said, are you finished? Whoa, that just sent him on a trajectory. And the guy said, are you done? He said, yes. I got up and said, well, it looks like we're really never going to be able to work together. We got some serious problems here. And uh, so I just am grateful that you're going to move on. Thanks for knowing you. And the elders looked at me, yep, thanks for knowing you. I walked into the door, went, <laughs> I shut the door first, went, <laughs> now we don't put it in the bulletin every week, but some people, they don't leave. They get help. And you know, if you're not willing to protect the sheep, if you're not willing to guard the sheep from things that will come in, because it says wolves will come in from among you to try to destroy them. If you are unwilling to eliminate problems, don't do it. My wife's waving at me. She says the trucks are ready. She, did you put in our order already, honey? All right. Okay. So, because I'm going to be some hungry after this. I go last. All right. We're going to be here for a long time. All right. So. So look at this, Proverbs 22.10, I want to read that for you. Say goodbye to a troublemaker, and you say goodbye to quarrels, strife, tension, and arguments, for a troublemaker traffics in shame. Smoke that verse for a little bit and just enjoy the ride. Okay, all right, so that's leadership, four little things on leadership. How many just want to say thank you, Pastor? That was good. And, all right, you know what, and that... Those four things will help you if you're leading anywhere. If you're leading a team at Tim Hortons, if you lead a team at work, if you, those things, those four things, the notes are on the website. You can go get it until they'll work for you. Number two, I want to talk about how to secure your future. <sighs> I'm telling you, there were three sermons all on their own, but I want to finish because we only got four more Sundays after this in this building. And after this, we're, we're headed, actually, we're going across the road over there. We're going to go to All Saints. There's all kinds of stained glass windows and pulpits that are raised and a pipe organ and all kinds of stuff. I can't wait to get there because I've always wanted to preach in a church with stained glass windows. It's only a temporary stop. It's a four-month stop, and then we are going to 1,200 commissioners. We're going to be renovating a really big space, and we're going to change the world from that location. So that's why I got to finish First Peter right now because we got to move on. Are you ready? All right, so number one, how to secure your future. First Peter 5, 5 to 7, likewise, you younger people. You younger people. I talk to you older people, you elders, you leaders. Now younger people, listen to me. Submit yourself to elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility because God resists the proud. I mean, you don't have to worry about other people thinking you're proud. God will resist the proud. I mean, my goodness, Wow. God resists the proud, but he gives, one version says, more and more grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care on him because he cares for you. Young people, anybody, you, whoever you are, you have a destiny and it's absolutely secure in God. And here's how to secure that destiny. Are you ready? Number one, be mentored. 
Find somebody you can align yourself with. Find somebody who's been there already. Find somebody who's experienced and, and submit to them. Come under them and learn from other people's mistakes. You don't have to make them yourself. You can learn, be mentored, submit to other people. It's great. Thank God for people over me that helped me deal with problems. You know, Bill Hermiston was a massive gift in my life when I was a young pastor because I always wanted to go, Bill, I'm going to cut their head off. And Bill said, oh, we should just pray about it. Every time I wanted to kill somebody, Bill's like, oh, we should just pray about it. And I thank God for Bill's wisdom because it would have been a bloody mess when I was a young pastor. But I thank God that Bill was in my world. He was already planted here to help me and to temper the zeal of that young man who probably would have broken everything before we even got started. So you know what? It's really good to submit to other people and find people that can help you and convince you. Secondly, be humble. Pride is destructive. God will resist you. Listen to this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. So many people think of themselves all the time. Every time you hear them, me, 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 me. You're just like, oh, God. Hi, I'm here. Yes, you are. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. Listen, listen, you got to do that. Be humble, be humble. Number three, be patient. Look what it says. It says, God cares for you. God cares for you. God knows your future. God knows your destiny. He is watching over you. Cast all your anxiety, all your care, all your concern about your future. Stop worrying about it. God is your shepherd. He's going to guide you perfectly in your destiny. Stop freaking out and trust him because he cares for you. So come on, what does it say? Be mentored, be humble, be patient. Boom, you do those three things, you have secured your future. Just say thank you. All right, you're welcome. Okay. All right, let's go on to the last one. You ready? How to overcome your adversary. All right, you ready? How to overcome your adversary. 1 Peter 5, 8, 11. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. Be sober, be vigilant, be alert, be aware, be there, be present, be clear, because your adversary, the government... Because your adversary, that person at work that drives you crazy, because your adversary, your spouse, because your adversary, that neighbor, I want to build a, I got an eight foot fence, I want a 20 foot fence. I want to set rocket launchers. Your adversary, who is your adversary? The devil. It's not the person in front of you. The person in front of you is an object of your love and your affection. It's a person that you are indebted to, to bless and to enjoy and to honor. The adversary in every circumstance, in every situation is the devil. And yet we, spiritual people, keep picking fights with flesh and blood. I know you do it because unfortunately, I am also on Facebook. My adversary, blah, 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 blah. We're picking fights with all kinds of stuff. Listen, you see what it says here? Because your adversary, the devil. Can you say devil? 
He's, it's, that's your adversary. He walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, I've been taught, and I've looking for it. I was searching for it all week. I find somewhere. But it says young lions, they're, they're hungry, but the old toothless lions, they, they're out in the open. They go, roar! And then you get scared. You jump out of your hiding place, and the young lions, they attack you and devour you. So the devil is like that toothless lion who's got no authority, no power, no teeth, no bite, but he's, his bark is bigger than his bite. He's always going, be afraid, be afraid. This is going to happen. Bah, 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 bah. And he's always making you jump and respond to all the things around you. And you're jumping out of your faith. You're jumping out of faith, a noun, your position in Christ. You're jumping out of your identity and your, your hiding place in Christ. And you're jumping into stupid things where God never planned you to be because the devil went, Roar! He is your adversary, but you don't have to be fooled by him or taken out by him. He is a toothless lion. Look what it says. Resist him steadfast with your faith. No, it doesn't say that. It says resist him steadfast in the faith, in the noun of the faith, in the noun of your identity as a child of God. Resist him in that settled, established place. Resist him knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood all over the world. So me having a worldview, me understanding the troubles of the brotherhood all over the world would actually help me overcome the adversary. Me being a, a global citizen and understanding how difficult it is right now to live in Bangladesh, to live in Zambia, to live in some of these other nations. For me to have a global view of things instead of my little address view. You know, God bless 765 Wellington Street. We will consume and conquer all things. That's where I live, and it's true, we will. But you know what, I'll never really fully be all I can be or defeat the adversary if I don't think beyond my little world, if I don't connect myself. You know what, people are suffering everywhere. Can we pass out food truck menus just now? While I'm okay. okay, all right, so, who called us to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus after you've suffered a while. Go back to last week's sermon. After you've suffered a while, he will perfect and establish and strengthen and settle you to him. Be glory and dominion in forever and ever. Amen. Six things. Pastor. Going to go really fast. You ready? How to overcome your adversary. You ready? Be well yourself. Number one, be well yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say, be well yourself. Take care of you. My mother gave me a book when I entered ministry. My mother, I was ordained. The day I was ordained, she gave me a book, and it said, One Minute for Yourself. And I went, what a silly book to give me. I'm going to pastor people. And I never read the book. Two years later, I said, wow, I need to read something. Look at that little book. I read it. It was only 30 pages long. I read the whole thing, and it says, if you don't take care of you, you'll never help anybody else. If you don't put your mask on first, you can never help your children. I went, wow. You know what? Here's the first thing overcoming your adversary. Take care of you. Be strong in your spirit. Be a strong you. Number two, be aware of your adversary. Be aware that your adversary isn't the government, isn't this, that, the other thing, isn't stuff you can see in the flesh. There is a real demonic thing behind it. Gain some understanding in that and fight properly. Understand that. Be firm in your position. I'm a child of God. Be established in the faith. Resist him 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 in your identity. Who you are. Know who you are in God. Know that he, the evil one cannot touch me. I have all power and all authority over every, every work of the devil. Boom. 
Be mindful of others. Everybody is experiencing stuff. Understand the whole globe is going through things. I've had people come to me and he said, Pastor, I'm having trouble with this. Would you help me? I said, yes. Here's a number right here. I want you to call them and give them the time of your availability. Really? What is this? It's a Parkwood. They're looking for volunteers and I need you to go there. Oh, Pastor, I'm trying to overcome my problem. I went, I know. I'm going to help you overcome your problem. I'm going to let you serve other people's problems. I'm going to help you overcome your problem. I'm going to let you serve some other people's problems. Sometimes you know what the best way to deal with your problems? Get your eyes off yourself. And sometimes you'll realize that your problem isn't really that big in comparison to the person who lives in India who was born without legs and pulls himself on a cart every day and begs. They didn't ask for that. But I'm here in free Canada. Praise Jesus. Yeah, you are. And that takes a lot of responsibility to live with. And you got to be a global citizen and understand, what does that mean? What demand does that place on me as a child of God in this world? Wow, that got kind of heavy, didn't it? Hey, Lunch is being served right after this, so it's okay. All right? So be firm in your position. Be mindful of others. Be fixed in God's faithfulness. Look what it says. Don't worry about it because the God of all grace, the God of all grace the God of all grace, he is ready to walk with you. He's ready to impart to you abundant grace for every circumstance. And the last thing, it says, it says to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Keep the long view. Keep the long view. Always align yourself with his purpose. Whatever you're dealing with, make sure. Like when you're driving your car, you're not trying to look at the line right in front of you. You're looking down the road. You know, if you're trying to see the line in front of you, you're like, am I on the line? Am I on the line? They teach you when you drive, look down, look further down the road. You're going to go straighter. You're going to have a more perfect drive if you look with a long view. A lot of Christians don't have a long view. I hate this pandemic. Oh, my God. I'm so freaked out. Uh, you know what? The earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As surely as I live, says the Lord, the earth's going to be full of your glory. Right now, we're going through stuff. But you know what? We're going through stuff. And none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Because you know what? There is another side. There is an after this. And I am right now preparing for a great victory parade after this. Because we're going to see the world won into the kingdom in a bigger way than we've ever known. And that's what I'm looking at. What are you looking at? Don't worry, the new building, we're going to put a gym in the new building. So you can say, where are you going? I'm going to church. What are you doing? I'm going to worship. We're going to put a restaurant in there so that you can say, where are you going? I'm going to church. You can come have a bagel and a pizza and all those things. I'll tell you, we're going to work it out. Don't you worry about it. Right, Ben? Is that right? All right, I got to pray and I got to wrap it up, all right? So look, be yourself, be aware of your adversary, be firm in your possession, be mindful of others, be fixed on God's faithfulness, be aligned with his purpose and all the notes are on the website. Verse 12 and 14, he says, I've written you briefly exhorting you and testifying you that this is the true grace of God in which we now stand. Peace to all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs>